This is one-on-one -on -one with Stevie Fro, episode 40, Jeff Stowers. Welcome back to the one-on-one -on -one with Stevie Fro podcast. Like Douglas MacArthur, we have returned after a brief hiatus in the 40 shows that we have done. We've been fortunate to have the chance to sit down and chat with former players, coaches, contributors, administrators, Hall of Famers, and legends. While this guest is not an administrator, he checks all of the boxes above. Simon Kitten girls basketball coach Jeff Stowers who is now currently listed as the eighth best athlete in his family, but is still a legend. Coach, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Brendan gave me that eighth best athlete, and he said it's lowering as the kids get older. Well, here's the way I feel. <laughs> I should be the eighth best. Everybody should be above me. Or yeah. Otherwise, I didn't do my job. Exactly. That's how I see. He actually said mom was one of the higher athletes. Is this true? Uh, she was okay. <laughs> Brendan Stowers is here as well. He was our guest in episode 18. Brendan is the ninth best athlete in the family. B, how are you? Um, I would like to revise that. I'm the <laughs> number one. Uh, but I'm like you said earlier, I'm here to fact check. So yeah. I'm, I'm doing well. How's this new baby? New ba MJ's doing great. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's living up to the, to the name already. So 11 grandkids. Yes. You got your own team to scrimmage with a sub plug and play is that how it works that's how it works how's it been watching this progression of these kids start to grow up and they've got their own personalities now oh I, it's great i see these posts from brennan and jordan i mean it just chaos you know what i have to see somebody every day mm -hmm. i have to see one of them every day it doesn't matter how i do it if i have to take food to the house mm -hmm. or bribe somebody but i have to see somebody every day but it keeps you young Yes, it does. Let me ask you this. So you coached some of the kids. I know you coached Brennan. Did you coach Jordan in AAU as he was growing up? Uh, yes, I coached his uh, – actually, I found myself one year with all three teams. Okay. Evans, wow. Brendan's, Jordan's. So you go through this progression of life where you watch your kids grow up, you coach them as well. Did you coach your daughter? Did she play for you? Yes, she did. Okay. okay. That's how I got to Simon. That's how that worked. Okay. Yes. I had that down there. Well, you were there, right? You were with the boys at some point there, right? Yes. I, uh, I spent uh, the seven years at Seven Hills, mm -hmm. and then um, I was going to take two years off for, uh, to watch him and Jordan at Northern, and then Scott Humphrey approached me and said, uh, well, how would you like to watch Jordan's senior year from the bench? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, became assistant, uh, assistant to Brad. Uh, JV or whatever. And a staff that was on there at that time. Yes. Pretty incredible. Yes. Including the talent on the team. Give you some credit there. I wasn't on that team. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. We were the one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's my fault there. I, I I didn't want any part of that team because there was a kid on that team that was a thorn in my side for years. I can only imagine. And I'm sure you know who it is. Yeah. Coach Dowers is a Covington native and a 1972 graduate of Covington Catholic. But was also at Covenant Latin for the three years prior to that. Was it three years? Yes. Okay. Um, he went on to Northern Kentucky State College, which is now NKU, 
where he played in 95 men's basketball games, scored 1,410 points, which was 100 more than Brendan. And Brendan played in 30 more games. He grabbed 559 rebounds, which is 550 more than Brendan. Jeff led the NKU team in points and field goal percentages junior and senior seasons. His basketball excellence, or shall I use the quote from his 1999 NKU Hall of Fame induction, one of the most exciting players in Norse history. I'm going to tell you something. I like to read about history. And some of the history I read, I see a quote every once in a while is, I would love to have that written about me. That's awesome. You have to admit. Yes. Coach Dowers was the boys coach. They talked about at Seven Hills for seven years and has been the girls basketball coach at Simon Kitten since 2002, where he has won five regional titles, 10 district championships. He is the reigning KBC eighth region coach of the year. An award uh, he has won too many times to count. Unfortunately, I started to look into it, and I thought, I'm just going to say he won a lot. <laughs> he was recently inducted into the KBC Ring of Honor. Incredible accomplishment. He's not only in the NKU Hall of Fame, but the Greater Cincinnati Hall of Fame, the Northern Kentucky Sports Hall of Fame. Last season, Coach Stauer celebrated his 500th career win, which is not only incredible, but it takes a village to accomplish. I think you would be the first to say that you've been blessed with wonderful young ladies and young men and good staffs as well, right? That's that's perfect. That's perfect analogy. Um, I can't say much about my staff. I uh, can't say a whole lot that uh, hasn't been shown uh, with Brendan coming aboard and then uh, Coach O, mm-hmm. who is a plethora of knowledge, uh, having coached on the uh, uh, D1 level in college. Uh, she She's just very, very articulate and very, very down to the point. Uh, and then we have Brendan who comes in with uh, a lot of the new stuff. Uh, basically, I've kind of said, here's the keys. Yep. Uh, we'll follow your lead. Um, and then uh, we bring on a couple young kids that, that want to coach and then kind of mentor them on the way through. Let me ask you this, and I want to get to Brendan here in a second. And when he was on in episode 19, we had talked about uh, in his position alone – being a, an alumnus from Simon Kenton, how important it is to the young women to say, hey, this is what it's about you know, to, to wear this jersey and what it says on the front. Do you think that's something that's been – obviously I realize that having him has been great for you and the success on these teams, is, it says it right there. But at, you know, having, having that there as well as Coach O, do you think that brings something great? Now, since he's here, I want him to hear it. I want you to – him to hear you say that oh it's been awesome <laughs> i can i can come to practice and sit there and listen to myself mm-hmm. with him out on the floor as far as coach o um you know it's not always all about basketball uh and coach o comes in and uh i tell people you know i can teach these young ladies a lot of things but i can't teach them how to be a woman yeah that's and true that's where coach o comes in at and she she's very tough but very loving, mm-hmm. and some of them don't understand that until they leave. Yeah. Um, Abby Owens, for one, uh, you know, she just thought we were on her, on her, on her, and as soon as she graduated, she started coming back to practice during the summer and everything, and you know, finally admitted that, 
you know what, now I get it. Yeah. Worked out pretty good for her, too. uh, (laughs) I think it did. Yeah, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, and and Coach O's also an alumna. She she graduated. She was on the first ever uh, team at Simon Kenton. So she knows what it's like to put on that Lady Pioneers jersey. Mm -hmm. And and she was a pioneer, so in in more words than just the logo. So she she definitely understands and and cares a lot about her program. So my question for you is, obviously, when you were on last time, we talked – about coaching at Simon Kenton, but since Dad is here, you know, talking a lot about that. For you, especially as as we get older, we we tend to spend less time with family, except for maybe some weekend days or parties or holidays, something like that. Having to be a part of something that you're with him all the time, especially for the six months during basketball, what is that like for you personally? Well, I mean, it's obviously great. I mean, it's it's my father. I get to spend time with my dad. Um, at the same time, it's like being living in the same house. You know, we have our little spats. You know, we, we we go at each other's head every once in a while. But at the end of the day, the goal has always been the same. And we might have different ways to get there, but it's always been the same. Our goal is always to improve these ladies as women first as players and students second. So as long as we're we're on the same page, we're getting along. But I mean he, you just mentioned the the list that you just that he's won, the awards that he's won, and that's I get a tutelage under that. So mm-hmm. it's been great. But it's something you can't learn out on your own either. You know, when someone who's experienced it and been through what you hope to one day go through as well, at any level, whatever, to success at, you know, as a college head coach or a high school head coach to win 500 games. Absolutely. It's almost unheard of, to yes. be honest with you, without a handful of people. And, and I'm sure if I had really looked into it, I probably could have gotten that list of, you know, 500 game winners in the state. But, you know, another thing is, I don't know how many staffs have the dad as the head coach, and the son is the assistant. A lot of them have the son as the head coach and the dad or the assistant. So it's a really cool dynamic that you guys have there. And, and you know what? It, it, I think that's good also for the ladies that you coach to, to see that. You know, it, it's okay to, you know, teenagers are now. Yeah. It's different from when you were a kid and when Brendan and I were kids and Jeremy was a kid. Now it's more, I'm on my phone or I'm just in my room where, you know, it's okay to have conversation, have a disagreement, get along, but still be able to celebrate and root each other on. What do you think? I think so. And uh, I think we're right now we're working on the part where, uh, and I always tell the girls, you know, in practice, if they don't get it, that maybe we should text you on the floor, move left <laughs> and right or whatever. <laughs> You'll get it if we text you on the floor. Yeah. But let me get back to Coach O here for a second. Yeah. And here's an interesting story how Coach O came on the staff. Uh, I got a call from Nick Rep, you know who you know oh, Nick. Yeah. And Nick says, hey, I got this old lady that wants to get into coaching. So I says, okay, give me her name and give me her number or whatever. So um, I gave him my number, and uh, he passed it on, but it was, oh, maybe two weeks, three weeks before I got it back. And then she calls me, and we're gone. We're going on and on on the phone or whatever, we're talking or whatever. She says, Jeff, do you know who I am? I said, no, I do not. And she said, this is Loretta Hummeldorf. So I didn't equate the Olmstead, her mm-hmm. married name and everything, but Loretta played with my two sisters 
at Moorhead. Wow. So I remember watching her play at Moorhead, and then she went on to be coach at Louisville, coach at Kent State. Uh, she was at uh, a couple other places, but I think she spent 11, 12 years in, on the D1 circuit. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And to have that knowledge. Yes. And the, the you talked about the relatability, number one. It's, mm-hmm. it's important for that. You know, when um, you and I had a conversation when we were hiring our girls coach, and as I was going through <clears throat> the list of some of the candidates that we had had, we had a frank conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing you said was, hey, you, you can hire any one of these people, but you got to have the female on the staff to relate to the girls. Yeah. And when we were in our hiring committee, that was something we talked about uh, the two times I think we were together. And when we talked to the, the male interviewees, it was stressed. It's got to be. Yeah. You know, they've got to have somebody that they can feel like is on their side. Not that you're not, you know. Right. You know Brendan is very new school. You know, I, I, before, before we started recording, you know, I, t- I talked to you, Coach Stowers, or Jeff, that um, we're very old school in, in certain ways. Yes. But we're also, you know, new school in different ways. And Brendan and I have a lot of the new school similarities, but a lot of the discipline and the stuff that I watch, I am very much, and I think that's just a product of the area and you grew up with. I'm a Newport kid. You're a Covington kid. You know, we're on the same, you know, same side of the of the state here, just the, mm-hmm. the river, you know. But, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I'm big on that too. You know, we, my coaching style is, relating to the kid you've got to be able to find a way to reach each kid yes and we've talked about that you yes. know, in a lot of shows here um let me ask you this though as as we get older because we're not going to get younger you mm-hmm. know now i'm 42 and obviously the kids are staying the same age there has been a time where it, the kids have changed a little bit for the good and for the bad not that they're bad kids actually better kids now than they've probably ever been but sometimes i find myself maybe on the outside of that. Um, do you enjoy, do you enjoy their, I mean, I don't want to put this. Does it invigorate you, uh, their youth? Does it invigorate you at all? Uh, yes, it does. And, uh, you know, I was smart enough to know that, um, you know, what me and Coach O were up in age mm-hmm. or whatever to when I brought Brendan on board and then bringing another younger person on board yeah. that can relate you know, with the girls of that age or somewhere around that age or whatever, and somebody that the girls would listen to. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll listen to me, but they'll listen to somebody that's younger or whatever. Now, I don't know that the kids have changed as much as the parents have changed. Well, that's true, too. And, uh, you know, that that's, that's a, a good point. Thing. Yes. That is a good point. Because we get them with alone. We get them alone so that, you know, we can see their true personality just about all the time. And you can read their body language. Whereas, you know, when, when Brendan and I were kids, you held that in. You tr- Well, I did. Uh, you know, you tried not to let other people know. You know, that was a big thing, you know, when you were in, in the 80s. You didn't want anybody to know your weaknesses, right? Yes. Stop wearing on your chest. Yes. And it was a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And God forbid, you know, you'd be walking around the streets of Covington, the streets of Newport, you know, with this weakness right here on your chest. Yeah. Where people can use that against you. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this. Growing up in Covington, was it always uh, just baseball and basketball for you? Was there anything else that you played? Oh, uh, I tell you what. we uh, <laughs> Those days were, were, as far as being an athlete, mm-hmm. we played baseball. 
we played football. We played basketball. We played it all in the projects in, in Covington. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bottom of the projects, you had a building here and a building here. This was a short porch for right field. And then you had yeah. left field, which was a little bit longer. Yeah. But you had all these windows from people's apartments and everything. So if you strike a ball right, you're going to knock somebody's window out. And then we had, uh, before they put a church down there, we had a field what we played um, uh, played football in. And then at the schoolyard down at Lincoln Grant, we played down there. We always had something. Somebody always planned something every day, every week. And then we got into, well, let's go to West Side Town. Have them get their guys together, and we'll go over and challenge them. But And then the boys' club came along. So wintertime, we went to boys' club. I played football. I played basketball. I played it all, all the way through. Now, the only thing with baseball is if I wasn't pitching, I got bored. You know, there's only so many hum babes and so many, <laughs> you know, and three and two counts that you can stand when it's 100 degrees yeah. out. So uh, that kind of took me inside for uh, uh, basketball. And I think we all have our own motor. You know, baseball for me was the same way. It, it's, it was too slow. I never really could get into it. Therefore, I didn't give any effort, so I wasn't any good at it. Whereas basketball, I loved. Just because I loved the the competition of it. Number one, in baseball, it's just it's you and the pitcher, or you and the ball, or you and the first baseman, or wherever you're at. Whereas basketball, everything just moves so quickly. I always enjoyed that. Maybe it was the ADD or whatever it was, <laughs> the the undiagnosed ADD that no one had. No one had that in the eighties, but. Um, so how did you end up at, at Latin? Oh, my parents thought I was really smart. My parish priest thought I was really smart. So I thought, oh, I'll please them. I'll, you know, I'll go there. I'll try that. First year, hated it. I went through football at Cuff My brother Keith was there. So I went through football my sophomore year at Cuff waiting on a ruling if I was going to be eligible as far as basketball and everything mm-hmm. goes. And then the backup plan was to go to Roger Bacon. That didn't work out. So ended up just going back to Latin school the next couple of years. And, you know, I hated it and they felt it. And finally I got out of there. You know, when my brothers were coming home and going outside to play and I'm sitting there two hours, I got to study or whatever. And this really ain't me. Was the format the same then as it is now where you were a little younger going into it? Well, I didn't skip as as much. Okay. You know, and um, it kind of, um, I fought and kicked the whole way. But then there was that thing about wanting to please my parents. Yeah. And it's something I never put on my kids. Um, you know, you do it for you. Don't do it for me. See, those, it was a different time. Yes. And, and here's the thing. And. Obviously, I, I don't know your dad, but in those days, when you walked around and you got in trouble, the, it was, hey, your last name is my last name. Mm-hmm. Don't disrespect that. And that went with the schooling. And it was, trust me, believe me, we got the same conversation, right? Um, you know, I mean, we went to private school. You know, you know, if we brought him a C, my dad would be like, look, I'll give you everything you want. You know, why can't you get this done? And it disappointed you because you knew that he was pissed off about it. And... And it's just something that there's something with some respect. You need to put some respect on it, mm-hmm. whether it's your schooling or your performance or your effort or just your attitude in general. I mean, I you know, obviously growing up, you've had we've had a number of ass whippings, but 
you know, if you, you know, I remember a night or a day that we were out and uh, we were playing at Bishop Rossert in an eighth grade basketball game and I was warming up like trash. And I said something under my breath, but obviously I, you know, my lips said it. Well, my dad saw it and he was not pleased because there was a gym full of people there. And if anybody else saw it, well, obviously they allow that their kid to act like a punk. Well, that was not the case. So, you know, I can imagine the same kind of situation, you know, your name is my name. Yeah. Well, uh, with my dad, it was, um, you go out here and act a fool. He says, I may not know the day. I may not know tomorrow. But at some point in time, I'm going to know. So you went around, and before you did anything, you looked around and said, he might know my daddy. He might know my daddy. Yeah. So that kind of kept you on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Plus, the old adage of uh, takes a village to raise a child. Yes. That was in play back then. I believe. Somebody told on you. Dude. Somebody told on you. The, the, the man who lived across the street from us growing up, his name is Mike Howard. And just a great, great human being. Well, my brother and I, one day, we decided that we were going to set the box fan in our room on fire by throwing, um, you know, like the Little Debbie snack wrappers you would have, like for the nutty bars and stuff. Well, the fan was on high. It was August. You know, no one had AC. And we were throwing them in through the back of that. Well, it it caught, and the the fan caught on fire. And so we start freaking out. My mom yells across the street because Dad was still at work. Mike, I'll never forget this. He walks in the door runs up the steps, unplugs the fan, takes it down, puts it down on the porch, comes right back in the house, walked up and beat our ass. <laughs> and my mom's down there like, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Get them. You know, don't let them get away. You know I mean? Just completely, completely. If you could imagine now, you know, as a dad of four kids, you know, just the, the scenario of that would be. Hey, we've, we've told all our neighbors, if you see my kids acting a fool, you have 100% parental mm-hmm acceptance to go do what you got to do do you do you have a do you live in a neighborhood where the kid there's kids all over the place we my, do now yes my brother does too yeah. and there's kids you can't keep track of them and i don't i think that's good because it's almost like the the generation x you know yeah. childhood you're growing up and before you know it you're looking over and you're you're a family partner the kids taking a chug of your beer and you know <laughs> and, it, and it's tough when everybody knows your dad well that is true everybody knows your dad and then um coming from a family of 11. Wow. So if somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who was going to tell somebody. There was no hiding. And it wasn't new. No. Nope. So is that not liking Latin and just the the, the difficulties with the, the, the structure there? Not, maybe not the structure, I don't mean it like that, but just the the schooling and all that, the the, the amount of work. Is that what led to the transition yes. to Cuffcath? Yes. And are you glad? Well, basically... After that last year at Latin School, I had a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So going to Cuffcath, I didn't need as many classes. So and they had the open campus back then. So I'd go to homeroom, which Dick Maley was my homeroom mm-hmm. teacher, and then we would go to Jerry's for breakfast or whatever. We had what we called a breakfast club or whatever, and then wouldn't come back until we had our next class. That's amazing. Yes, and. Before we went on, you said that you weren't able to play basketball your senior year because right. of because of your years. So how did that work out? Was it because um, you had too they many counted, They counted, like, if you went from skip sixth, seventh, eighth grade, or whatever your age group was, they counted. Yes, they counted that. It doesn't seem real fair. Years. It doesn't. Not at all. Mm. So how did the how did the deal with um, Northern set up? 
Did you have, let me ask you this. Did you have a connection with Coach Hills from, you know, obviously he was at Covenant Catholic up until, I would say, the year before you were yeah, at. My, my brother Wendell played. Okay. And uh, Keith played his first year, and then he was all football from there. Awesome football player. Awesome human being. Um, uh, you know, it was tragic uh, his senior year, what, what happened. And, uh, you know, that kind of um, kind of spunked me to, you know, really want to exceed and really honor him. Um, for all the things he did. I was like, I played football as well. Um, and uh, playing peewee football, I played the corner, and he played the defensive end on the other side. And my uniform stayed clean. It better stay clean or mom was going to have something to say to him. Yeah. But he was he was awesome. He yeah. was just awesome. So how did opportunity to play there? Did he just come – to the house, or how, how does that work out there? With as far as Northern went? Yes, yes. Um, i tell you what, uh, what really kind of spurned it is, um, you know, from knowing, knowing my brothers and knowing the family and everything, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's once they found out that Chattanooga was on to me. Yeah. Uh, because of, I don't know if you're Ralph Simpson that played at Holmes back in the day. Ralph was at Chattanooga then. Okay. And then my buddy, Richard Dirksen, who I played with at Northern, uh, who played at Cuffcath, um, we were both looking at Chattanooga just because of, of Ralph. And um, Coach came up to um, – we played at Lincoln Grand on, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that was the only way he was going to see me. And he came up to Lincoln Grant one day, and, uh, you know, he offered me – and. You know, now I had something away as far yeah. as Northern. So the big the big deal was if you go away, uh, nobody's really going to know what you're doing when you go away. But if you stay at Northern, and this is what Coach Hills expressed to me, if you stay here and make a name for yourself, it opened a lot of doors for you. And that kind of stuck with me, and I kind of passed it along to my kids as well. Mm-hmm. And he was the first coach at NKU, is that correct? Yes. So the people who will listen to this – Will they'll know more about the current NKU program, and maybe even as obviously during the '90s and the 2000s when when the boys played and they had so much success under Kenny Shields. Talk to us about the program in the '70s, especially as it was leading into the transition to a university. What was it like out there? Um, you know, he was trying to accumulate all the talent he could get, and basically everything was was local. Mm-hmm. Um. We just, you know, and Coach had come off of, what, five straight years as regional champions or whatever. So we had a little clout as far as, you know, maybe reaching a little bit further out of the the, uh, tri-state area or what have you. But uh, basically it was uh, brick by brick. Just build the program brick by brick. Um, We had a lot of guys. We had some guys that uh, went away to school that was able to um, transfer back – uh, case in point, Kenny Knoll went to Moorhead, uh, Newport Catholic guy, uh, played with a lot of passion, played with a lot of heart. Um, he came back. Um, I mean, we just didn't know how to win back then. Uh, coach knew how to win, yeah. but uh, you got to have players to win. Everybody knows that. You got to have players to win. So we basically um, just trudged our way along. And uh, my senior year, we came up with a group of kids from Woodward 
that had a very successful uh, program at Woodward, Dennis Bettis. Uh, I saw uh, I saw some stats for him as I was looking up your yeah, stuff. Dennis yeah, he Bettis, was a stud. Greg mm-hmm. Mills, um, Marvin Wilson, uh, Danny Dolman. Uh, so there was some some talent my senior year, and uh, that was the first winning season we had. Wow. Um, was that the last year before it became NKU, or was there another year in between that? I'm not certain. It was a 77, right? Sure. 77 was the transition so. year. So there must have been a year after you, you graduated in 76. Yeah. So there was there was a year after that. Yeah. I was I, I just couldn't remember the, the timeline of that. What was it like getting out there as you know a younger man, and you got this – Place that's out there. Obviously, it's not nearly as big as it is now, but everything was kind of new. Two buildings, you know. When I got there, it was two yeah. buildings. And you're, was you're coming hall. from Latin, yeah. you know, where you know it's a at that time probably a what you know sixty year old building, yeah. you know, fifty year old building mm-hmm. with a lot of history. And then you go to Cuff Gas, kind of the same deal. They'd been around a little bit, you know. Was it was it still kind of cool? But it kind of out in the boonies, you probably felt like didn't it? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, at least uh, like college campuses now, you're all over the place trying mm-hmm. to get to class at time. But man, you know, I went, I parked, I went to Nun Hall, and I went to practice. Was Regents, Regents there? Hall. Okay. Yes. Regents, Regents Hall, Hall and Nun Hall. Those were the only That's two it? that were there. Yep. And they're right across the street from each other. Yep. Well, I don't know if they still are. It's been a while since I've been out there, but um, I remember yeah. Nun Hall being there. Obviously, Regents is still there. But um, so let me ask you this. What, after college, what did you do after college? Uh, first year, I um, I got a call from uh, George Spencer. Uh, George worked for uh, uh, Cincinnati Commission, Recreation Commission, or whatever, and he was looking for guys to go overseas and uh, had a tryout, uh, made the tryout. This was after the second year, 77, I guess it was. And uh, I made the squad. We went over. We played. Uh, basically, it was a group of guys to go over for um, teams to put an eye on, uh, just in case. Absolutely. You know, hey, I, I like this one. I like that one. What have you? Uh, did pretty well. Averaged about twenty-five there. Um, no one said anything. So I come home. I come home for about two weeks. I get a call. That somebody was interested or what have you. So basically, I wasn't really interested in coming home, going back. Yeah. And the guy said, "Well, we, you stood, uh, you should have stayed, and that way we could have moved you around or whatever." It was. Had I known that, I probably would have. And uh, I think about that time, my dad's health wasn't wasn't really good. So uh, ended up the next year. Uh, actually, that same time that I was there, we picked up two guys. Uh, two guys that were playing on uh, a team over there. And it happened to be Randy Knoll and Greg Yurchison, who played at UC. And we played several games over there together. Um, and, uh, you know, I just went over with my eyes open or what have you. And uh, it was in Belgium and, and Holland. And it was what it was at the time. I got to see the world. Yeah. I always said, you know, Travel, get to see the world. What better word is that? What better deal is that? Can I let me ask you this? And it just popped into my head, and my history may not be the best, but you know, during you know some of that time, especially like right after college and during college, guys were being drafted into the Vietnam War. 
Is that right? Yeah, so you, you get to be in college. Mm-hmm. You're fortunate and blessed to be able to get a college education there and then go out and see the world in a different type of way. Just, just the, the juxtaposition between just the random Joe Schmo that's from Covington that's being, you know, called up. And, I mean, you've seen the memorials all over the place, but, you know, just it's something, uh, you know, from your generation that you don't really think about that's pretty cool that you got to do. What was the travel like? Was it hard? Um, uh, not really, you know, yeah. trains, um, you know, the, the one week I spent, I spent three weeks here with this team in Belgium and they provided a car and an apartment, me and a guy from Southwest Texas or whatever. Um, we had our own place, we had our own car, you know, we drive to Amsterdam on, I mean, we only practice a couple of days, <laughs> we only practice a couple of days a week and, you know, and it was just thought one day we'd take a drive to Amsterdam or whatever and um, just seeing the sights and everything. Did it feel as much of a business like it is now? And we've talked to Brendan, you know, Shannon Miner went through it, Brent Bach. We had Brent Bach from Augusta on before with the Bellarmine. You know, it just seems like there's a lot more cutthroat. And Chris Lofton, Chris Lofton has been a guest, and obviously he's made a career mm-hmm. out of that. You know, did it did it feel to you that it was business-like or more of just like, this is an adventure? <laughs> adventure to me. Yeah. Adventure to me. Um you know, I got to see a lot of things through basketball. Um, got to see a lot of places I probably wouldn't have seen mm-hmm. uh, if it wasn't for basketball. And I didn't take it real, real, real serious. Uh, like I said, it was an adventure for me. Well, I think you probably knew that it, it wasn't going to be yeah. long-lived. Yeah. So might as well have fun. Whereas, like, Brennan, you would have, it, it was tough, man. That's, a, that's a, you know, the journey's tough and the, and the tryouts. You know, just, that, I think that's the thing now. Yeah, a lot of lot of tryouts, and and, and I would say, and I think there's a lot more. The pool's bigger to pull from, so yeah. they put you through a lot more. You got to jump through a lot more hoops, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely different from what he described. So, um, yeah, just getting, hey, you want to come play, and that that would be awesome, yeah, especially in today's game. Like, could you imagine being, you know. 23 years old and having coming back from that first season and someone calling being like in the situation if you're in yeah. and someone calling me like hey man you need to get over here you'd been like i'm gone. I'm in <laughs> let's go i'm gone right yeah. whereas you know now like when we talked to chris lofton it was just like oh, hell, i'm just waiting for a contract right wow i i could not imagine that that week to week waiting for the phone to ring or the email to to ding on my phone um let me ask you this brennan growing up hearing stories like that mm-hmm. does any of that inspire you or did did any of it inspire you to you know to dream a little bit yeah absolutely um wanted to be better honestly i mean that was and i wanted the same thing for my kids like um when we got inducted to the uh, simon kenton hall of fame my wife was there and she was like oh my gosh i knew you guys were good but yeah that good yeah. she's like oh our kids are in trouble and i'm like no, no they'll be they'll do what they want they'll yeah. do what they want they might play soccer yeah hey or I'm, esports who knows i'm all for it jeff the look at and i'm gonna sit and watch I no coaching <laughs> but yeah it, it's it definitely is inspiring and um and, and you, you get it from everywhere and then i always hear so i was called little jeff for probably still to this day from some people, but I was called little Jeff probably 20, first 20 years of my life. Did you take that as a compliment? Um, I did at the beginning. And then I was like, Hey, I made my own name now. So I'm like, you, you 
read about me, but not not in a conceited way, but just hey, I'm I'm putting in the work. I'm doing my own work as well. Um, he set you know the foundation, and we're just trying to build on it. Mm-hmm. How do you think that? How do you think that the kids took not criticism, but your advice, like your basketball advice, in or just doing what they were doing? If it was a baseball or whatever it was, do you did you ever feel like it was a, a struggle to get them to never? Okay. Never. Not like now, whereas now yes. this yes. Yes. My kids, well, I was fortunate enough that I was still playing when they were younger and they were going to my AAU games or whatever. So they kind of picked up things just by going and seeing. And my whole thing to Brendan was you gotta be as good with your left as you are with your right. Mm-hmm. Jordan took it to the point where he's a right hander, but everything he wanted to do was with his left hand. Yeah. So and Brennan and I talked about that when he was on there because that was our dude. That was our era. Yeah. He, he was he was the must see TV. We we missed Magic and Bird, you know, by a few years. And I get, I mean, you see all the highlights, right? You know, it's funny. It's like you watch like the Last Dance and you watch Larry Bird out there, and you're like, you can't believe that he was that revered. And I'm looking at him like, what is that guy even athletic? But obviously he was. But you know, you watch these the highlights of Magic. Was there anybody you looked up to as a, as a, as a younger man? Oh, I was Magic. Magic all the way. I was magic, and I was. Uh, after a while, it took me a while to appreciate Bird because he was a Celtic, and I was a Laker through and through. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it, you can have your teams and everybody you want, but Larry Bird will always be in my top five. Mm-hmm. He will always be in my top five. You think it was the dog in him? Oh, he, he had right. the dog, he had the, the dog alligator, the cat. He had it all. Yeah. And he'd tell you, too. Yeah, when you have a blonde mullet with a mustache – and you can drink a 12-pack of beer before the game. <laughs> and you tell somebody, I'm going to drop 30 on you. <laughs> Play a game left-handed. And every time, he, <laughs> every time he shoots, he here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in the corner, and I'm going to shoot this, yeah. and then we'll all go back down the court. I love he, it. Who did he tell? He told somebody he was going to play the whole game left-handed and then dropped something ridiculous. I saw that. <laughs> I saw the highlight somewhere. What, what got you into coaching? Uh, Well, my kids. You know, it goes back to when I played not whole baseball at boys club, all the things I played at boys club. I thought about all the parents that were taking their time to coach me. And I'm thinking, man, they're working eight hours a day and they're coming here spending time with me. Yes, their kid is out there, but they've got 13, 14, 15 other kids that they're coaching, mm-hmm. giving up their time. And then when I got to the point where my kids were into it, I thought, who better to teach them than me? So it gave me time to spend time with them and hopefully teach them the right way. So you went into it organically. It wasn't whereas like in a current generation was I'm going to coach my kid just because it it was more I want to make sure it's, number one, done the right way. Mm -hmm. Things are tied up properly. They're going to represent themselves the way that needs to be done. I went and watched Booster Ball, and, you know, that was good because, you know, I had him in Booster Ball, and then I had uh, one walking and one in my arm and one on my leg going to the gym. And, (laughs) you know, it was just when it got to the age where, okay, he's pretty good at this. And now he needs to, you know, needs to learn a little bit more from – you know, not disrespecting the guys that coached him before, but yeah. I just felt that it's time for me to take over because I think I know more and I could probably get to him more. Did you think your experience playing helped a little bit of that for you to get into it and yes. have a reputation just 
without even doing yes. anything yet. Right? Yes. So was it um, was it just like the old days, of, like the old gym, with you're carrying the bag of balls in and with your whistle and your clipboard? And yep, <laughs> I was carrying the balls. You were carrying the balls. <laughs> that how that worked. I had yeah. enough kids that I didn't have yep. to carry the balls. Yeah. When did you fall in love with it? With coaching. Mm-hmm. Um. When I felt that the kids, I was getting through the kids. Um, and then I uh, really fell in love with it when I started ca- coaching AAU. And it's easy to fall in love uh, when you have a Jared Lorenzen yeah, and you I have a Derek say. Smith. And, and then you have Stowers. Brendan. And, yeah. then, <laughs> and then we had this one guy that was the only guy that's been a pain in my butt the whole time, and you know who he is, uh, without mentioning names. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Gaskins. Yeah. <laughs> I already know. I already but know. We, had, uh, you know, we, had, we had an awesome team. And then we built on it every year. I mean, I think we won AAU State maybe four years in a row or what have you. And uh, we did pretty good on the on the national level. And we just, I just had my little group of kids. And um, we had a game, Kingsport, Tennessee. And okay. we were playing Atlanta Celtics. Mm-hmm. And they had a couple guys that went to the league at the time. Arnell and, Harvey. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Jeffrey Braswell. We were uh, – and we had George Baker at the time. Yeah, and he's coaching of, now. We, yes, yep. yes. So we we had some dogs, mm-hmm. and we were down twenty something at the half. And uh, Derek comes in and says, "Man, you got you guys aren't getting me the ball." And right then and there, first thing that rolled off my my mouth was, "Derek, last time I checked, we weren't shooting a hundred percent." So if you want it, you go get it off yeah. the glass. Yeah. The second half, he was just uh, – a coach came up and said, where was that kid first half? I said, I don't know, maybe I'll brought out the best in him because Derek was the type of kid that he would walk out, go through the line, and he'd stare down the other end of the court and say, I'm going to be the best guy on the floor today. I'm going to be the best guy on the floor today. And then Jared was just – I mean, he just filled – Every other role. Yes. Look, wherever you need it. We've talked about them so many times. I mean, it was just, and I thought, man, you know, I sit back, buckle my seat, let Mm -hmm. the boys do what they had to do. Who did you like coaching better, Brennan or Jordan? Is that fair? Uh, (laughs) But I want to say something, and and I'm searching for this. Two different players. Yes, yes. I'm searching for this picture here. So Mrs. Stowers has done an incredible job of throwing out the some pictures here on the Facebook from when the boys had or some of these AAU teams. And when Brendan was on, we had talked about the picture that, that it was with, uh, I don't know where you guys were, but my Lord, I couldn't even believe it. Well, I saw another one from Jordan's group, mm-hmm. and it had Jordan. I wish I could find it on here. Jordan, Ronnie, Ronnie Don, Don, Vince yeah. Bonhouse, yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Lewin from Cuffcat. Mm-hmm. Um I, I can't I can't, I can't remember them all off the top of my head here, yeah. but it was uh, a squad. And and when we were talking to Ron Don at Newcath uh, last month, we talked about this group, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, this team, and like, like, could you imagine having that group of boys yeah. be able to play a competition in high school and, together? Uh, Jimmy just, Pangallo was a coach. Yes, I mean yeah. it was it was great times and uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I wish I could find that picture, but that's oh, okay. we had a lot of fun with that team. It's a, you know, I mean, it just it puts it in perspective that. Obviously, it's a, it's a different thing, but I, I think that what is lost in this generation of kids is that 
level and commitment of travel ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you lived with each other almost the entire summer, especially Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you were together. And it was, it was such a brotherhood and it taught them how to play and how to win, especially when you're playing with guys as good as that. Whereas now they've got these sports of all sorts leagues and it just, it's watered it down a little bit. And I'm not crapping on them because some kids, unfortunately just have to play there. Yeah. Um, Brennan, let me ask you this. What, what was it like? What was it like for you, you know, um, when you were younger getting a, tag along watching him play and then when he got into coaching what was that like to be able to tag along and be at practices and games well watching him play it but kept it was harder and harder to stay off the court like I just wanted to be out there and we talked about it the last time when we go to Pioneer Park or any other parks you know he'd bring me on every once in a while and I'd you know I get to play I get my chance to play um so I mean that kind of got me wanting to get on the court and never wanting to get off and that you know that that just drives you. Um, as far as coaching, like I said, I, I I was I came back home and I was trying to finish up my last couple of classes at NKU, and I was still training to see if somebody would you know give me a shot overseas or something. And he said, "Well, I got a spot on as an assistant if you want to make some money." And you know, as you're getting ready, and then first little bit, man, I was I was hooked. Yeah, it was. Hooked when did you coach center. boys at Seven Hills? Uh, 93 to 2000, I think it was. And I'll tell you what, we had the best open gyms at Seven Hills. Absolutely. So we talked about open gyms when Brendan was on before. That whole crew with Jared, Derek, Ronnie Don, and all those guys. I mean, I'd open the gym. It'd be holidays or whatever. I mean, nobody did anything on holidays early in the day or whatever. But, man, we would pack the gym. Alex Meacham would come up. Like, Yep, we – we had some really good runs back then. Mm. So talk about these seven year, seven hills years. Um, so you went there, and I talked to Brendan about this a little bit. So did you you went there at a time where the program was struggling a little bit, uh, struggling like zero and twenty three. Mm-hmm. What was that like? <laughs> well, obviously there was the a year recent, before I got. Yeah, there. Uh, no, I get it. Yeah. But there was obviously a re- well. Hey, let's be real. The Simon Kenton girls program was what you say one and twenty one. The year before you got How about two and something like forty three the two previous years. Okay, so uh, but here here's my deal with that. Okay, as far as Seven Hills goes, I did my homework. Yeah, they're and that's where I was going. They're sixth, seventh, eighth grade. They all won their leagues. They all won their league, and I thought, you know what? And I had a chance to look at these kids, and they were they were going to be pretty good. So I was a patient man. My my whole train of thought was, hey, look. I can win one game and probably run for mayor. Mm-hmm. Just win one game. Yeah. And I can fall out of bed and at least win one game. So I got into that, and Mary encouraged me uh, through a guy at work that they were looking for a coach. So I put in, I thought, in my wildest dreams, this ain't going to happen or whatever. So I got the call, and I thought, okay, let me call Dirk. I need to get my assistant, need to get my staff together and everything. And we thought, nothing else, we'll try this. Yeah. And we got into it, uh, got more and more talent each year, and um, it was a joy. It just So I have two questions. What, what was it like uh, coaching over there at the time where you still had middle school and elementary school kids and trying to make it back and forth to their stuff? Was it tough? Uh, Mary did all the work. She did all the work, and, you know, most of our practices were right after school at 3 o'clock, so I could make 
uh, the majority of the things. The only thing I missed out on is his senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some of the junior year, senior year, or what have you. Um, but I always said, I know what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't even have to be there. Yeah. You know what you need to do. You know what you're supposed to do. What was it like with him not being around? I did, mean, it, did it mean, was it tough? No. I mean, I knew what he was doing. It wasn't, yeah. like I said, we used to go up there and play. So, I mean, it was, he had a job to do. I had a job to do. But it never stopped. Hey, how'd you do tonight? Oh, I had 44 tonight. Oh, how many did your man have? Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was always that, um, you know, kind of back and forth. Just, but, you know, did you win? You know, so, I mean, it wasn't tough. Like, I, he was playing ball. It didn't really bother me. I was... I, I was laser focused on yeah. on the court. So. so you didn't call Danny Train or or Scott to try to schedule a game against each other, or did you? Uh, no, I didn't. I um, well, anyway. see, we just played a game this year where Shannon Miner coached at North College Hill, and then yeah. Mitchell was playing mm-hmm. varsity for us as a sophomore. And I'm going to be honest with you, like the, the the leading up to it, I was miserable. I did not want. I wished it would snow. To be honest with you, that's how yeah. I felt. And I even called. I even called. Um, his wife and Mitchell's mom and I was like, I'm not really looking forward to this just because it just, I don't know. It, there was just something about it. I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine. So you're probably better off not having well, we, that. We were pretty good, but we weren't on that level. Let me ask you a question. So you go over there and you know what had happened a couple years prior to that. What did you learn in those first couple years? And, and this is all leading to Simon Kenton, the success you've had, obviously. And you won over a hundred games at seven Hills mm-hmm. and they didn't win a game for the two years you were before you got there. Right. What did you learn in those first years as the head coach? Number one, about running the program, the high school program. Uh, number two, about building a program. Well, at Seven Hills, it was – I didn't have to worry about anything but coaching. Mm-hmm. Nothing but coaching. The AD, it was, okay, you're getting new uniforms this year. Okay, next year you'll get road uniforms and you'll wear them for a year. And then, so as far as fundraising and everything like that, never had to do any fundraising, none whatsoever. So all I had to do was concentrate on the coaching part, um, which was the easy part for me. And, you know, implementing our, um, our style of play as far as the system, uh, I'm a very system person. If you give them a system and have them follow that, you're going to have success because it's repetition, repetition, yeah. repetition. I agree. Some guys are going to get it, and they're going to play more than other guys that don't get it until they get it. So it might take them a year, it might take them two years, but understand that there's only three places you need to be on the floor on defense. You're either on the ball, you're in the gap, or you're in help. Once you learn that, you're pretty good with me. Yeah. What it feel like when, when things started to turn around there and they started to build some momentum, you know, you don't strike me as a guy that's, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, I'm good with where we're at. You know, you seem more like a guy that the roller coaster needs to go up. We need to push on, persevere, you know. Yes. Um, you know, I was all about, you know, trying to get to the state tournament. You know, Which is, dude, that Ohio system is tough. Yes. It's a lot tougher than in here. I, so I'm sorry, let me cut you off. So I, I guess my first year, uh, you know, we get up to, we win the sectional, uh, win the district, win the sectional. Uh, we go up to Dayton and we play 
Jason Collier. Who <laughs> played in the NBA. So, <laughs> yeah, got a seven foot. We're coming up to his kneecaps or what have you. And he's got a little guard that's shooting the lights out of the ball. And they absolutely drilled us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we learned something and we came back the next year. And, you know, we're going to keep trying and keep trying. And those kids listened. Yeah. You know, sometimes you um, just don't have enough talent, but you do with what you have. Um, kids were really good. They listened. Uh, I'm sure they learned a lot. Um, and w- we were successful at the time that I was there. Yeah. And the kids were successful going out. You know, their major thing was what school am I going to? You know, we're going to the Dartmouths. We're going to the Yales. We're going to the... I was going to say, I thought that was one of those... Um, yes. I can't, what do they call those? Not an academy, but uh, I can't remember what it was. But they, they, uh, Yeah, well... <laughs> It's private because it's private, yes, right? Yeah, very private. And you know, we had uh, we had competition with uh, Cincinnati Country Day, Summit Country mm-hmm. Day. Uh, they were getting the athletes before I got there, and then we started to get a couple of athletes that weren't going there that were coming there. And majority of the time, some of them were going to basically Seven Hills was was deemed a, a soccer school. Um, CCD was deemed more football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Summit had a little bit of everything there. But, um, you know, we were able to get a couple kids and, and be successful. You know, it's it's rare that someone comes into a varsity head coaching job without uh, playing in a – or being in a uh, – like a JV coach or a freshman mm-hmm. coach, being in a high school system before you had – obviously you had coaching experience and playing experience. Was there anything from – you know, coaches what that you had, you know, what you talk, we talked about Mode Hills at Northern. Is there anything that you took from any of those people that you had played for into that first and first head a coaching lot. job? Okay. A lot. We'll talk then, about that. Uh, you're not a good coach if you aren't a thief. Oh, yeah. We've you steal from everybody. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yes, steals you steal from, from everybody. everybody. And, yeah. um, you know, and I kind of did what we did at Northern uh, because uh, Coach Dirksen was with me and he knew the whole system or what have you, and it worked for us. Yeah. And then we just added different things. We just added different things along the way. And, uh, you know, to this day, I still look at things. He looked at everybody. Uh, it's like if you want to run an out-of-bounds play, watch Boston Celtics. Whew. Brad Stevens has got yeah. so much He's stuff. He's so smart, man. God. He's got so much stuff. But – uh, the only He's way become to, like the new go-to, like on the internet. Absolutely, like, look at what they're look at what they're doing. It's crazy. Some of his plays when he was at Butler are ridiculous yeah. too. But if you're going to be a good coach, you got to be a thief. Yeah. So, and I mean that in a good way. Um, you know, you just uh, you're just patting that guy on the back. Did it make you sad to 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 leave Seven Hills to step away from that? Not really, uh, because um, you know I got to. Well, here's the story. I, you know, I'm watching their their games or what have you. You know, I get to the point where we're done, and Mary says, "Okay, Evans got regional finals at Ryle. They were playing St. Henry. His senior year, he's in Halton, Michigan, Upper Peninsula. Yeah. I mean, it's just cold as hell. I mean, they've got that's remote country too in the yeah. UP, bro. And um, I thought, okay, I know what end of this deal I'm going to get. So I get on the plane, and, 
you know, the headspace was just, I mean, I'm just honkered down this plane and I'm just, you know, it's banking and it's like, I'm just praying for my life or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. I get there, I get my rental car, I go to the hotel. Of course, the, 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 the windows and everything were open, so it's freezing like hell. So now I got to get my room um, warmed up or what have you. And uh, tried to go to sleep that night and all I heard was bobsleds. I mean, it was just, I mean, oh, my God, I can't wait to go home. But I want them to win because yeah. I want to stay for a while. So the next day, it was an early game, maybe 2, 3 o'clock or what have you. So uh, I think he lost to Finley that day. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to try to get out of here. So I tried to get go back to the airport and see if I could leave that day. So I get back to the airport, the fiber octaves are down. You can't get out of the airport. I can't go to somewhere else and then, boom, come home from there because everything was down. So I had to wait another day to get out of there. So you knew it was time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into seven years, and obviously we can talk. We can talk for the next hour about the Simon years. Let me, let me ask you this. You know, you look at this, these records, and Jeremy did, Jeremy did the math here. So 14 of the last 15 seasons, 20-plus win seasons, you know, Elite Eight State Tournament, Elite Eight State Tournament, Regional Champs, Regional Finals, Regional Final. What, a couple things. What, what are some of what, – what are you most, uh, most proud of with what you guys have been able to do at Simon Kenton? while you've been that coach? Well, here's our deal. Um, we always tell the girls, I need you to get everything you need right on that side of the hallway, which means the grades and everything. Mm -hmm. We don't want to have to have a conversation about your grades or what have you. And our girls have been great about that. Mm -hmm. Have some really, really great students. And I said, we will teach you enough on this side that if you listen, if you put the two together, we're going to come off of some of that student loan. And we've been very fortunate that we've had girls to go on talk and kind of put those two together to, you know, get out of mom and daddy's pockets. Uh, you know, it might be uh, a better hoopty for you along the lines because we didn't have to spend all that money on college. You're going to get a, a little bit better car or what have you. But our girls understand that if you – first things first, you play hard. A lot of good things are going to happen if you play hard. We have some different type girls that understand that we're going to go out there and we're going to lay it on the line. And I want you to understand that if you're not giving your best, there's somebody over there that's mm -hmm. watching you that's going to come yeah. out here and give you best. That's, that's true. And that's not only out here on the basketball court. When you get out here and you get in the real world and you're going for that job, there's three or four other people want your job. Yeah. It's how bad do you want it? Life lessons yes. in sport. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. So – you know, looking at this here, was it your fourth year? You won your first regional championship. What was that like? Oh, wow. It was. Um, was your daughter on that team? No. No, she graduated. No. It was, it was, uh, that was Abby. Was that Abby's? No, Abby fourth year was Chelsea won. Tolliver. Chelsea Tolliver. Uh, talk about getting. Because that was my first year here. Yeah. And I had just met Mark Gaskins you know, uh, probably the year before that. And, you know, we were in the regional tournament as well. Mm -hmm. And leading up to that, it was just he just kept talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And then you guys won, you know, and he was over the moon. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you could probably claim him as a 
your what fourth son? He is. <laughs> yeah. He is. He definitely is. Yeah. Fifth, fifth son. son. I'm sorry. Yes. My, bad. My bad. Yeah. My bad. My um, bad. So it was so. Uh, it's like okay now. Maybe these younger girls coming up will start listening more. Yeah. This is what you can achieve if you come out here and trust in the system and put in the work. And it and that appearance and that win, the regional title in 2006, led to a a run of five straight years where you know regional semi, regional champ, regional champ, elite eight, regional final appearance. Do you think the experiences of the younger girls and the girls that were returning in that 0506 team, do you think those experiences fed their hunger and their drive to get better and just their desire? Definitely. Uh, with that group, what was so special about that group is uh, we had the Figgins twins. We had uh, Kayla Smith uh, and Chelsea Tolliver. They all played together at Twinhoffel. Well, they won their league sixth grade, seventh grade. And the parents, uh, Mr. Figgins came to me and said, hey, our girls are playing the same people every year, getting the same results, really waxing people, what have you. And he asked about the interest in them moving up. Yeah. So that was a, uh, back then that was something that, you know, kind of had us in hot water or what have you until Mike Tolliver was the principal then. <laughs> and, you know, his daughter was involved. Yeah. And he said, Jeff, he says, you know what? Came to consensus that if you're going to move them up, they have to move up two grades. Move them up to play freshman, but you got to move them up to play JV or what have you. And I says, we'll look at these kids during the summer. And that's what we do. We evaluate kids during the summer. Uh, you come to all our stuff during the summer. First of all, it's got to be about commitment. Yeah. Make all of our stuff. Okay. We'll assess your talent while you're here, and then we'll make a decision if we want to bring you up or not. Uh, now it's you have parents that want their kids to come up instead of playing seventh grade, eighth grade, or whatever. If they're good enough, they want them to come up and be able to play freshman. Yeah. But what a lot of people don't understand is it's about money. Make no bones about it. It's about money. The sooner we get these kids into our program and they get what we're trying to tell them, then there's money at the end of the line. So if you work hard, you're going to get some scholarship money. Yeah. Somebody's going to break off a piece for you or what have you, plus your, your academics or what have you. And we've been very successful in that part. I mean, we've got our girls that graduate this year were pulled up in seventh grade. Yes. I think they were seventh grade. So you're in our system for a while. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents said, well, we're not happy with the coaching on this level or what have you. So we assessed your talent. If you're going to move up, going to move up. They give other kids an opportunity to play in middle school or what have you. And that's uh, when we move kids up, when it's time, when you got to separate yes. the, the – the, you know, more advanced kids. I hate to say it like that because you've got to develop the other kids. Well, and, and, and these kids are, are in it for, you know what, they'll tell you they want to go to college, they want to play ball, what have you. Not everybody's going to have an opportunity, but you know the ones that are going to put in the work. 
you know, you just you just stay on the great side because that's what's going to make you not so much your basketball, but what you get on the other side of the hallway. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's our whole program and and has been about these younger girls getting into the system, learning the system, hearing the same thing over and over again, and going out and perform. You know, you, you talked before about being a system guy. I consider I consider us a system program. We adjust. We have we have adjusted yes. with with you know the the team that we had. We you know we had adjust a lot last year, mm-hmm. and I think that number one, when the when the kids are next door are doing the same things at the sixth grade and seventh grade, and then the eighth grade, and by the time they get over here, they really don't know any different. Mm-hmm. So they kind of fit right right in. Now you have to teach. Un- unteach bad habits, reteach the habits that you want to see. Uh, let me ask you this about players. And you talk about the, the the young women that have gone on. How rewarding is it and warming is to sit back and follow some of their college careers that you've had, the girls you've coached, especially the ones that are close that, that you know, Thomas Moore, you know, yeah. you know, Allie's at Northern. What is that? What has that been like for you? That's the cherry on top. You know, do you feel and, like a dad? Does it feel like a dad, a proud dad moment? Yes. Like when yes, your when your kids were playing. Yep. Because then you can say, "Hey, they got it." And the most important thing is, they wanted it. And that's the way I look at it. They and it was tough wanted. while they were going through it. Yes. They persevered. Mm-hmm. They learned a life lesson there. They hated you the whole way. Yeah. But then. You know, it's funny. You see, all, I see all these pictures, and the girls are all hugging you, like you know, hey, Coach Towers, <laughs> right? And then, but you know, then there's the pictures of you giving the the evil stare. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, like Brennan just broke something in the house. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I was rough early on. I was rough, and mm-hmm. you know, somebody would, you know, you'd have to make a mistake a couple times before I'd really get on you. What's that be? Yeah. Uh, <coughs> are we there? If the other team scored the first points of the game, it was a timeout and you get, you know, a little lashing on the way back to the huddle. What's wrong with winning? <laughs> nothing. Nothing is wrong with winning and, and you know how to do it. How are the, uh, let me ask you this. As rewarding as the, the accolades have been, the coaches of the year, the, you know, each hundred wins or, you know, each regional does any part of you or a lot of part of you ever feel like you would, you know, that you just want to step into the background a little bit and let the kids have that glory or the assistants as well? I'll walk off. I don't, mm-hmm. they, they don't you know, I'm, I do my 30 games, whatever it is or whatever, I'm done. I'm looking at the next group to come along. Yeah. Yes, I love it because it tells me that they understood and they went out and did the things that we asked them to do. That's the most rewarding thing about it at all. It's not about wins and losses and, and trophies that are going to collect dust or what have you. And, you know, you might throw them out in a couple of years or what have you. It's those lifelong lessons that you've taught these girls that when I go to Kroger's and you see one of the girls years on where they've got one in the arm and you got Bebe on the leg and dragging them through the mm-hmm. store or what have you, and they're looking at you and saying, hey, Coach Dallas or whatever. Now I get what you said. Yeah. Now I get what you said. And with us, it's never about basketball. And we tell the girls, I don't know how many times, they say, this is not about basketball. Look past the basketball and the things that we're trying to teach you 
There's going to be competition throughout your whole life. Throughout your whole life, there's going to be competition. You go for a job, you go for anything you do, is going to be competition. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the part that, you know, some parents are, are just focused on yes. theirs. I understand that. And my whole thing is, you're focused on that one, but I'm focused on these 30 girls in I'm this glad program. you said that. And, and, and I don't want to get off on this again because I've talked about it several times. We have gone from an age where you come and you root for everybody's kids. You root for your friend, your son's or daughter's teammates as well. You know, it seems like we're into this jealousy, like, well, she's not even that good, even though she is. Uh, maybe that's something to make their child feel a little better about themselves. But I, 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 really, I really hope that we can get back to a time where we're rooting for all kids. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you know. I talked about my parents; they, they they liked everybody else before they liked me. You know, they rooted <laughs> for them harder than they rooted for me, and that's just how it was. And, and and it didn't have anything to do with there was no drama. There was no you know, there's nothing to do about celebrity or popularity. It was just hey, this is your team. You are together. We're going to cheer on everybody. Where we go, one we go all. We've lost that. Does that bother you at all? Mm, you know what? Here's here's my deal. My parent meeting, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is my practices are open. Mm-hmm. You can come and sit at my practices anytime, any way, anywhere, or what have you. And then when you have something to say, I know that you've been there watching what's going on. And I, the reason I do that is because you may be able to help me to get through to your daughter some yeah. of the things I'm trying to explain to her. Yes. And that's all it is. And help that, us. Help yes. us help her. Or exactly. Him. Exactly. And you know how many parents have showed up at my practices? I don't know. Uh, I had one. And then uh, here recently, I've had two. And one of them didn't really need to be there. He just, he just, he just came there to help his yeah. daughter. Yeah. And it was Allie Niece's dad. Yeah. He came to... to to let her know what she needed to do, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. And Allie understood that. And, um, you know, she was a real leader. You know, and that's leader. the thing. It, even the elite players, and I would consider Allie elite. I mean, mm-hmm. I've watched her play since she was, you know, she played Eagle Hoops here, and she was the best player of the boys and the girls, and she was, what, what eight, you know. And, and then as she grew up and played here, they would ever play for you guys and playing for Northern. They even get into this rut, you know, maybe a, right. a funk, right? Yes. I mean, is that? Let me ask you something, Brennan. As as also a player who played at a very high level, um, and being closer in age with the girls, is that something that you enjoyed being like having a role in that? Like, hey, you know, we can do we can watch some film, or we can do this, or just even the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially when I first started, because I was twenty four. So, I mean, I'm not that far off. So, you know, I definitely related to the girls on the younger and being somebody that played for him. I was like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm tough because, you know, I had to ride home with him after games. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I heard everything. So understand that it's – and he'll say it. I'm surprised he hasn't said it already is don't listen to how I'm saying it. Listen to what I'm saying. So – and that's the part where I – can come in like, hey, it's it's not even like that. It's yeah. you didn't do your job. You know you didn't do your job. Just 
you know, yeah, you know, you got yelled at or you got a lashing or, you know, whatever. But it, it's it's not because he doesn't like you. It's not because you're a terrible player. It's because you know and we know that you're better than that. And here's the other thing. You have, we have these conversations with the kids, and you hear their dreams and their hopes, and you want to help them get there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think there's a divide where they don't they don't think or – realize that all we're trying to do is get them there mm-hmm. you know and 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 you have these conversations like listen you're telling me you want to play college basketball if you think that you're gonna play college basketball with that effort you're crazy i'm just trying to help you you know we've we've all coached guys that have you know gone on to do what they want to do but so let me as we wrap up here jeff number one what frustrates you the most about coaching is that fair well, I don't know what you, <laughs> with that look, I already know what you're going to say. But. Uh, and, and it doesn't really frustrate me. Um, Is there anything about the game that frustrates you with the, with the current generation of girls or kids in general? No, I, I think I kind of uh, got rid of that my first year or so in. It was... Girls basketball was a lot of jump balls. Mm-hmm. This is all you saw was this, that way, this, that way. Yep. So what we did the first year, second year, what have you, is if there was a tie-up, everybody else moved away, and those two fought for the ball. There you go. I mean, outright fought for the ball until mm-hmm. somebody got the ball out, and then we continued to play. So after that, we don't have a whole lot of tie-ups anymore because yep. go in and get it. What's it like? What's it like having all the grandkids around now? Like coming to games and when they're oh, around. Is that? Is there any part of you that feels like this, the new generation of the Stowers is? You know that you want to be. You kind of want to have a hand and an active role in like how they watch the game or see the game or play the game. Um, you know, not right now. Right now, it's just let them feel their way around. And uh, with my kids, it was. We played baseball, soccer, no football, and basketball. And we dove, swim. I think every last one of them at age 12, because of all the traveling and the hotels, you know, burning mom and dad's cash and everything Mm -hmm. at these, running the hallways in hotels or whatever, they decided that they were going to play basketball. Yeah. No Porsche, no anything or whatever. It's just the fun that they had with the kids that they were playing with. And, you know, then we just put everything into basketball. Brennan, what's it like for you to have all the kids around? I'm a big kid myself, so it, it works out for me. Um, and I, I I use the LeBron quote, like, I don't know if I'm going to be that parent cheering, like, let's go, but or, you know, sit back and, and elect. You know, I haven't I haven't got my look down yet. But right now I'm, a, I'm probably the loudest parent. Yeah. So, and and it's everybody. Of course, we got a team full of Stowers and and bunch of guys that we all grew up with have their kids on the same sure. team. So it's it's so much fun. What's it like? What's it like for you watching like the older grandkids? Mm-hmm. I've, I've Brent and I talk, and I've watched and Jeremy coaches at, or teaches at Newport and coach track down there. I've seen Alex, your yeah. grandson Alex Green, play football. What's it like to be able to you know? get to root on all that without having to coach and not having oh, to, it's is great it, is it the best it's great alex is, and he's a stud yeah he's he good. is um tell you what he um i think for alex to go a long way he just needs to get the physical part mm-hmm. down 
I mean, his glove, his glove in baseball is, I mean, just awesome. Uh, he needs to be able to hit a little bit. Uh, I think he'll, I think he'll play college baseball. Yeah, it looked like he plays at a. I saw some of the pictures on Keith's Facebook. I think it, it looks like he plays at a pretty good level in the summer. Yeah, he oh, plays. Yeah. He plays yeah, like uh, a good travel team. Plays for hits for uh, Chris Curley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they have a pretty they have really good team, and I think he's able to because of his age, he'll play with them again this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of football and everything, he still goes to batting cage two days a week. Yeah, well, baseball's not a sport you can pick up. Uh, you yeah. know. February fifteenth, and be really good, especially <laughs> hitting a baseball. Yeah, so that's the toughest thing to do. I appreciate you guys coming on, Brendan. I appreciate you fact checking and tag teaming on this too. Uh, no worries. Hey, is he your best assistant? Yes, he is. Yes, he's equal. Equal and him and Coach O. Oh. They both do different things, and I think his. By Coach O, like I said, she teaches them how to be a woman, and she she's tough on them, but she's caring and she's loving. Mm-hmm. And Brendan's the same way; he's tough on them, but they understand him. Yeah. And me now, I'm in the role like, okay, what's wrong? Here's how we can fix it. He didn't mean it, or she didn't mean it. Here's what I need you to do. And I usually get through. That way. Do you think because I'm the last line of defense? Yeah, for I get it, I get it. while everybody's you know. <laughs> do you now think Coach that being a grandpa, like, <laughs> being be, having grandkids, has kind of softened a little bit of that? Um, because obviously having kids it doesn't soften anybody. No, <laughs> but <laughs> then these grandkids come and it's like you know, like the old Jeff Stowers. Yeah. You know, the, you know, and you and I've had many conversations over the years, and I think I think one of the things that I like always liked about you the most is that. You were always okay for me to just pick up the phone call and just just to have a chat about something, yeah. uh, and like you say, you steal stuff. For me, I like talking to people who have been around and have had success, and have been through the same struggles. You know, we talked last year. I'm like, God, you know, this team, you know, we're trying. They're such a young team, and, and you've been there. Uh, I'm gonna be there again this yeah. year. So it's just a, it's just a. I, I enjoy talking real, and you're always gonna get the real version. Mm-hmm. There's no BS. There's no curtain. Um, Nothing's going to be rosy. It's just going to be like, listen, just got to fight through it. Yeah. At the end of the day, and that was pretty much our conversation at Christmas last year because we were struggling. Yeah. You know, but I appreciate it, guys. Jeremy, you got anything? No. Well, the great Jeff Stowers and the almost great Brennan Stowers. Mm. One of these days. One of these days. Is he going to take over for you one day? Is oh that, yeah. Is that how it's going to work? Real, real, real soon. Real soon. Session plan already in place. Yeah, the real, real, real plan. Soon. This is like the uh, the crown. So yeah. we appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you.